We know you're fascinated by true crime. But how often do you get to hear from the survivors in their own words? I'm Jamie Beebe. And I'm Jake Deptula. We're the host of Strictly Stalking, the true crime podcast that explores the devastating crime of stalking. Every week, our guests reveal the true terror they're facing at the hands of a stalker. And the steps they take to fight back. We're uncovering the real stories you think you've heard, from Tara Newell surviving Dirty John to others you won't hear anywhere else. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, Strictly Stalking, from Cast Media, wherever you listen to podcasts. Investigating animal cruelty cases isn't easy. It's demanding, challenging, and traumatizing. It's a haunting job that deserves praise and respect. But to those who are given the task to investigate cruelty to animals and don't take it seriously, definitely don't deserve any pats on the back, even if they close the case. I'm your host, Hepburn, and you're listening to The Voiceless Speak Forever podcast, a true crime podcast dedicated to exposing the many misdeeds and abuses done to animals. And every week, I'll be covering a new animal abuse case. Today, I'll be covering the problematic investigation of two pit bulls, Red and Blue, a case based in Long County, Georgia. January 26, 2021. Started out like any ordinary day for Lula Grundy. She woke up, she went to work, she got home from work, and saw her two babies, red and blue. After taking a few photographs of the flowers growing on her tree in her front yard, she closed her gate and walked back into her home. Since the gate latch would sometimes not properly close if it was wet, Lula didn't think too much of it. After all, Nothing had happened before, even if it wasn't locked. So, she didn't go back to check. The night progressed as usual. At 10 p.m., Red and Blue went out their doggy door to potty. Lula fell asleep. At 2 a.m., Lula woke. She looked over to Red and Blue's beds and saw nothing. They weren't there. They weren't inside her home either. Going outside, Lula called for them, but she heard and saw nothing. She checked her cameras and saw them at the mailbox at around 10.15 p.m. Then she got into her truck and drove to all the places Red and Blue loved to haunt. But she didn't find them there either. She looked for them in her truck till 4 a.m. before returning home. At that time, she thought maybe the neighbors had taken them in and that the next day they would be returned to her. Before she left for work the next day, Lula uploaded a post on Facebook alerting her friends and community that Red and Blue had gotten out. When she got home, Red and Blue were still not home. They hadn't been taken in by the neighbors. The next few days proceeded as such. Lula went to work and searched every spare moment she could for Red and Blue. She checked Facebook constantly to see if anyone had found them. She called and visited the two animal controls in the two adjoining counties, Long and Liberty every day to see if they were there to be picked up. She passed out flyers and even offered up a reward for their return. At that point, Paw Motion, a nonprofit animal organization, became involved. On January 29th, three days after Red and Blue went missing, Lula received devastating news. 
What I will read next is Lula's account of the moments leading up to her finding Red and Blue's bodies. On January 29th, 2021, at 19.03 hours, my friend Chrissy and I were on the phone talking about my dogs when Susan David Harmon called me. She stated that her husband had found my dogs. I asked her were they alive. She stated, unfortunately, they are not. I asked if she was sure that they were my dogs. She stated that her husband had seen them and she looked at them on Facebook and he was sure they were them. She told me to come down the road and turn on Wheeler Road right before you get to Coastal Auto Parts. I told her we were on our way. I switched back over to Chrissy and let her know that I was going to get my dogs. I put Wheeler Road in my Google Maps and we went down Highway 84, turning to the left on Wheeler Road. I called Susan back and told her we were on Wheeler Road. She stated the road was to the right, to come back and cross the road and follow the dirt road ahead. We turned around, crossed the street, and followed the road around to their house where they were standing in the yard. We parked the truck and got out. She said my husband would take you to them. He stated that they were hit by a train earlier in the day at about 2 o'clock. I asked again, was he sure it was my dogs? He stated yes. He'd seen the pictures his wife showed him on Facebook. He stated he'd seen buzzards earlier in the day, so he went down the track to see what they were after, and that's when he seen them. He led us across a small bridge, pointed his flashlight towards a silver box on the track, and stated they're close by that box. We walked until we got where we could see them. Des, my friend, stated, that's red. I ran to red and touched her leg to see her scars to confirm. I said, yes, that's my baby. Harmon stated again that they were hit by a train. Des stated, nah, they weren't hit by no train. I felt red and looked at her face. I could tell she had been dead for more than a day or two. Then I looked for Blue and went over to him and felt him. Same thought. I noticed he was missing part of his leg. I stated, oh my god, my baby's leg. I stated they both have a hole in their stomach. Harmon stated that that's where the buzzards were eating them from when he found them. Des was still adamant that they were not hit by no train. Harmon was still trying to convince Des that they were hit by a train. I started taking pictures. Harmon said we can go back to the house and I'll get my four-wheeler and come back and get them. I stated, y'all can go. I'm not leaving them. Des stated he would stay. When Harmon left to go get his four-wheeler, Des stated, Come on, babe. There's no blood nowhere. They were not hit by a train. You know something. I looked around with the flashlight to see if I could find Blue's leg. I did not find it. At 1927 hours, I called Jennifer, a staff personnel at Deal Veterinary Clinic, to see if we could bring them to their vet, Dr. Deal's office. She said she would call Dr. Deal and get back to me. She called me back at 1933 hours and stated it was okay to bring them up tonight. I had 5% left on my phone. Harmon came back on his four-wheeler. He and Des picked them up and put them on the four-wheeler. There was no blood on the tracks, nor the rocks. I tried to take pictures, but my phone would not come back on. We crossed a muddy ditch on our way to the truck. I got up on the back. We spread covers out for each dog. Harmon helped put them in the blankets. When we finished and I got down off the truck, Susan stated, at least you can have some closure. We hugged and I thanked her for calling me. Harmon hugged me and I thanked him. 
Thez washed his hands and we got in the truck. On our way, Thez stated he was trying to convince me that they were hit by a train. There was no blood nowhere. Either he did it or he knows who did it. Either way, he's involved. Thez stated that there was mud in the ditch we crossed and there was no mud on neither dog's feet. If they crossed the ditch that day, there should be mud. We took my babies to Dr. Deal. Lula filed the police report on February 2nd. Here's what was written on the report. Private information has been redacted and the names of others, aside from the suspect, have been altered. On February 3rd, 2021, at approximately 1800 hours, I was dispatched to Long County, Georgia, in reference to two deceased dogs. Upon my arrival, I met with the complainant, Lula Grundy, who advised that her pet dogs named Red and Blue had run away from her residence. Lula Grundy stated she created a post about her dogs on a social media group called Paul Motion in order to help find her missing dogs. Lula Grundy advised that she was contacted by CW, who told her AC seen her dogs. Lula Grundy then stated that she was given the location on where to find her dogs by David Harmon. Lula Grundy advised David Harmon, then took her to the train tracks, and she found her dogs deceased. I then spoke to AC, who alleged that David Harmon has killed her animals in the past. AC alleged David Harmon has killed two of her dogs, one by gunshot and other by using poison. AC advised she did not report her dogs being killed to the sheriff's office because she did not want to get into trouble with her landlord. I then attempted to speak with David Harmon, but was unable to contact him. It's important to note here that the reporting officer didn't take down all the information Lula had given him. The account Lula gave me was the same account she gave to the police officer, yet only the bare minimum was written down. On February 5th, the police investigator called. He said that he had finally gotten into contact with David Harmon, and after speaking to him, he believed what David said, that red and blue had been hit by a train. And like that, the case was closed. But due to mounting pressure from Lula and her supporters, the police relented and reopened the case in mid-February. But despite reopening the case, there didn't seem to be any meaningful actions taken to finding out what exactly happened to Red and Blue. But again, the case was closed. In order for Lula to understand what sort of investigation the police did, she paid to see the records, something she could do under the Georgia Open Records Act, an act that makes government records accessible to the public. Of course, the Georgia Open Records Act doesn't necessarily mean all information will be revealed. The information released will just be the extent that the police and the law has chosen to make available. So a critic could easily say, well, there might be some information that the police got that really led the detectives to this particular conclusion, and that they just couldn't reveal it. Like, the alibi David had must have been so good that there's no way for him to be a suspect. But the information that Lula got, even if it's not a full 21-page report, is still representative of what sort of investigation was actually done. And the information Lula got had so many holes in it. So to suspect that the police didn't do a good job investigating the deaths of Red and Blue is a fair assessment. 
With that said, here are the many reasons why this case was poorly investigated. In one of the documents she received was a written statement of the case in which the police reported this. The sheriff's office investigated this complaint, conducted interviews, collected photographs, other documents including clarifying the report of a necropsy concerning these animals. If you go through the statement point by point, you'll see how much more work they could have done. Did they investigate the complaint? Yes, they technically did. Did they conduct interviews? Yes, but they conducted interviews with only two people, the first person being David Harmon, and then Red and Blue's vet. But they didn't interview anyone else. You'll see why this is problematic in a little bit. Did they collect photographs? Yes, but don't be fooled. They used the word collected because it can be either regarded by the general public as as they themselves took photos or that they just gathered information from other sources. So really, it seems as though they used the word to make it seem like they did more work than they actually did. What they actually did was just take blueless photos of Red and Blue's bodies off of social media. Did they collect other documents? That is actually unknown. But if collecting more documents is getting a couple of Google map photos of where the dogs were found with distance lines on them, then sure. But just based on what Lula was able to get access to, there didn't seem to be any documents of significance. Did they clarify the necropsy report? Technically, yes. They interviewed the vet about the cause of death of red and blue, and that might seem like a decent work done, but they only spoke to the vet in the second investigation. They bizarrely didn't think to speak to the vet in the first investigation, and what they came away from that conversation is truly infuriating. The police found out that the vet couldn't rule out that a train had hit the dogs, but saying something could or could not have happened isn't the same as saying something did for a fact happen. So the vet's statement in no way indicates that the train was the cause of Red and Blue's deaths. Rather, it seems as though the police chose to play with semantics to prove David's story. Second, the interview pool was poor at best. Lula wasn't contacted at all during the first or second investigation. Instead, they completely overlooked her and other potential witnesses who could have helped in finding the killer of Red and Blue. Here's a passage from the case determination letter that illustrates this. The sheriff's office is aware of posts and petitions on social media platforms regarding this incident. These posts and concerns reference confidential or unknown witnesses. The sheriff's office would like to encourage anyone with first-hand or eyewitness testimony to come forward and contact Lieutenant Tom Solosi regarding this investigation. The petition they are talking about is a change.org one that to date has garnered over 35,000 signatures in support. This petition details what happened to Red and Blue. The writer, Dave Miller, states that there are three witnesses ready to testify but it seems as though, in this statement, the police weren't willing to talk to them because they were confidential or unknown witnesses. 
But if three are willing to testify, then they aren't confidential or unknown people. If they're willing to talk, they are, obviously, willing to be found. In fact, one of these people willing to talk is named in the police report that I read earlier. So clearly, they're not unknown. The police could have reached out to Dave Miller to ask who these witnesses were. The police officers, they're supposed to have the skills necessary to find information like this, yet they did not. Instead, they lazily wanted to speak to first-hand witnesses and asked that they step up to be interviewed. And honestly, how would the police even know that the three witnesses weren't first-hand witnesses if they didn't even try talking to them? And why is the onus being put on the witnesses to come to them? Third, Red and Blue's wounds don't match with what David said. Their wounds aren't consistent with being hit by a train. Blue had lost one of his legs, and if the train had hit him there, where was the leg? A wild animal could have taken it away, but why didn't they consume more of Red and Blue? Their bodies were very much intact when Lula found them. And if a train hit them, wouldn't their body parts be on the train tracks? If you look at photos of them, their bodies are to the side of the tracks. The crime scene was just too clean for them to have been hit by a train. Furthermore, a necropsy report done by Red and Blue's vet stated that Red and Blue died from blunt force trauma, but Blue was attacked before being hit by a vehicle. So the doctor couldn't technically rule out a train. But the being attacked part by blunt force trauma before being run over by a vehicle doesn't lend that much support to them just being hit by a train. Again, what the vet said about could and could not doesn't actually support the train theory. Semantics is not validity. Fourth, David said that the day he saw Red and Blue's body was the same day his wife notified Lula about her dogs, and the only reason he found them was because he saw buzzards by them. When Lula saw her dogs, they had already been dead for a few days. If they had died the day he said they did, then there shouldn't have been buzzards there. Buzzards don't eat fresh meat. Fifth, David has already been accused by another person of killing dogs. There's a precedence already. Though this person didn't file a police report, it doesn't mean that the death of her dogs by him didn't happen. Why did the police take his word at face value and not consider this person's experience too? Six, the police somewhat put the blame on Lula for not having had contact with them earlier instead of taking greater responsibility for the things they didn't do. In their statement, they said that the Long County Sheriff's, quote, was not summoned to the scene of recovery or requested to examine the dogs at the time of recovery. The Sheriff's Office was made aware of this incident several days after recovery. That's true. The police couldn't have examined the dogs at the time of the recovery because their deaths were reported a few days after it happened. But Lula already had the dogs examined. She didn't ask them to do an exam because it was already done. And if they cared so much about the dog's cause of death, couldn't they have just asked Lula for their bodies to be seen? Even if Lula had taken their bodies to their final resting place, the asking part is very important to at least show that they really wanted to do a thorough investigation. Furthermore, 
they got the necropsy report anyway. And that was because Lula gave it to them. Finally, why was David so adamant that these dogs died by train? If you have nothing to do with this, why not just say you found the dogs and that's it? Instead, David kept pushing this weird, inconsistent, nonsensical narrative. Obviously, I can't say David Harmon killed Red and Blue, but I do believe that David's story is suspect and that the police didn't do shit to help solve the case. Justice needs to be served for Red and Blue. Red and Blue were Lula's babies. She adopted them right after she retired from the military and needed a couple of goofballs to keep her company. Red was a feisty girl who loved getting into things, chasing anything she saw, and was super hyper. She loved being the center of attention too. Blue was the opposite of her. He was chill, mellow, and quiet. He loved making friends. Didn't matter if they were animals or people. He loved making connections. One particular friend he had was his smoky gray cat that came by their home in the evenings to eat. They loved each other's company so much that whenever he came over and Blue was inside, they would just stare at each other through the glass door. Lula would see this and crack open the door for them, and through that crack, their paws would touch. And Red and Blue loved eating ice cream, fetching balls, riding in the car with their head out the windows, swimming, and even going to the vet. They were Lula's babies, and they were beloved by her friends and their community. Lula deserves closure, and the community deserves to know the truth as to what happened to these beloved dogs. In order for there to be closure, the case should be reopened and investigated by a task force dedicated to protecting animals. The way the police dealt with the case was beyond lazy. We need to get justice for red and blue. I want to close with a message from Lula. My babies were my emotional support team. I sincerely thank everyone, family, friends, and my community that has stood up for red and blue and continue to stand for the rights of animals. Their voices are heard through you. A very gracious thank you to Chrissy, Linda, Nikita, and Stella for refusing to keep quiet. When I didn't have the strength or energy, they carried the torch. We will keep fighting for the voiceless. No animal deserves the torture that my babies endured. Whomever did this is seriously deranged and mean-spirited. May God have mercy on your soul. If you are able to, please help Lula push to find justice. The dogs deserve it, and so does she. Or leave information regarding how you can help in the show notes. So that's the case of Red and Blue. Please make sure you check out the links regarding Red and Blue, and please check out Paw Motion, the group that really advocated for Lula and her dogs. Paw Motion is a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to ending backyard breeding, helping pull out deaf row dogs, helping rescues in general, helping families who can't afford to pay for spays and neuters, and helping families who have hefty pet medical bills. With that said, if you're able to make a donation to their spaying and neutering program, shorthand, the program is called SANE, S-A-N-E, and want to help underprivileged families with their pets' medical bills, 
please check out their PayPal link below. Right now, Paw Motion is actually holding a fundraiser to help a dog named Griffin, who is going blind, get surgery. If you want to help him out, you can donate on their Paw Motion's PayPal account. Just make sure to write Griffin or Sane to distinguish where the donations will be going to. So definitely check their links out, all of which will be included in the show notes. Lastly, please remember to tell your friends, family, whoever about the Voiceless Speak Forever podcast. And remember to subscribe and review. Reviews, especially on Apple, really help with podcast visibility and they really show people your support of the podcast. So please make sure you do that. As always, if you have a story you want to tell, need help getting a story across because mainstream media is just not covering it, or just want to hear a specific case in general, please email vsf.officialpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, and if you're a rescue or foster who wants a shout out or just to tell the story on the podcast, please email as well. I'm happy to help in whatever way I can, so don't be shy. And if you want to check out the Voiceless Speak Forever Instagram page, it's the period VSF period official. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next Wednesday. Oh, and on April 1st, Strictly Stalking, the podcast that I've been mentioning for the past few episodes, will be featuring the Voiceless Speak Forever trailer. So make sure you check that out and their podcast out in general. It's pretty interesting stuff. You learn a lot about the experience of stalking victims and how shoddy the court system is in regards to helping the victims. So check all of that out. And until next Wednesday, toodles!